What's up, y'all, and welcome to Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow. We're excited today to talk to you about something that's near and dear to our hearts, and that's courageous leadership. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, LaToya, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to, um, to have this discussion. Yeah, me too. You know, Mike, as many times as we've talked about leading with courage, it seems to never get old. In fact, I don't know that it ever gets easier, but I do think we get stronger and better. We become better leaders when we let courage be at the center of what we do. And in the wake of post-COVID and just leadership in general, I can't help but think about um, what a challenge. I think courage is the greatest challenge of leadership. When you think about some of the folks that you've worked with or maybe your own leadership journey, what is it that you think keeps folks from leading with courage? I think um, that's a really good question, first off. I think um, a lot of times as leaders, we also kind of want to please people. We want to be well-liked. We want to... you know, rally the troops, so to speak, and get everyone on the same page moving forward. And sometimes you feel like um, if you have to step out of your comfort zone, you're going to somehow um, impact that goal of unity. But um, it's something that's really important. And I think just reflecting on my own leadership journey, I think it took me a little while to get to the point um, where I was really willing um, to have those courageous um, conversations and make those decisions that are weren't the easy decisions, but the right decisions. Um, and I really liked how you opened the segment, Latoya, where you said it doesn't really ever get easier, um, but but you get better at it. And when you just you just have to confront your your fear and and make those tough calls when needed. Absolutely, and and when you think about about that and. Um, I, I think you get better at navigating that and how to have those co- hard conversations, those crucial conversations that are critical, because for as much fear that exists in terms of worrying that you might upset others or that others might have a difficult time accepting the decisions you make or understanding why you've made a particular decision. To me, what's even of more concern is folding and making a decision outside of your values because you feared other folks' uh, potential reception. And so when you align with your values, I think that I don't know that it's easier, but I definitely think it gives you more confidence in the decision you've made and um, a clearer conscience and heart you know, about making that decision. I think courage is so needed. Um, And when you're going into a a situation where there's a huge need for transformation and change and and operating in change leadership, I think more courage is required um, than in a situation where you might just be attempting to to maintain things as they were. Um, Why do you think that is? Why do you think with change, there's a greater degree of courage required? Well, I think, um, you know, b- before I get into that that answer, um, something else I wanted to mention is, I th- and we all know this deep down, but when you see something that's not quite right and you're a leader and you choose to ignore it, that's really accepting it, right? You know, you might think, um, well, if I don't address it, it'll kind of go away. But when you are, like, say, for example, if you have a struggling teacher at your school, she or he or she is struggling um, with the instructional aspect Um, and you kind of just ignore it and you don't try to help support that teacher to improve 
and you just kind of let it go, every other teacher in the building sees that. And your non-action um, is really saying, okay, I accept this. I am good with this teacher and her current, um, her, his or her current abilities. Uh, and that really sends a bad message. So when you do nothing, um, that's not just ignoring it. That's accepting what you probably don't want happening. Yeah, and, and, more, and even oh. more so, Mike, what message does it send to those folks who recognize that you haven't had the courage to address what you know um, shouldn't be happening or needs to be addressed? Um, I always thought about that. You know, when we work together, there's something you used to always say that really stuck with me that I think you read in a book. I'm almost certain you read it in a book. And I want to say it was, I don't want to misspeak, but I believe it was a uh, in Todd Whitaker's What Great Principles Do Differently. And you used to talk about making your decisions around your best folks. Right. Around your best folks. And I think sometimes the, the, the worry, the fear, the pushback that we anticipate doesn't usually come from those folks who are willing to do their very best. It comes from folks who are trying to cut corners or who want to do things their way, who really perhaps aren't interested in doing things the right way more than they are interested in doing things their way. But I always thought about what message does it send to those folks who are giving 110% when I fail to address those who are giving 50%. Exactly. Exactly. That's very demoralizing. And um, I don't I don't have any scientific evidence to prove this, but it seems like um, the ones that are most resistant to doing the right thing rather than the most comfortable thing for them are always uh, seemingly the loudest. The ones that are, um, you know, speaking out in meetings and um, they, so you, you, so you're kind of fearful of it. You don't want to rock the boat, so to speak, but you know, uh, but no, when you are doing that, you are really letting down a big portion of your staff that wants to do the right thing, um, that want to do the best thing for kids. Um, and back to your your uh, your previous question, Latoya, you said about like if you go into a situation that needs a lot of change compared to one where you already have good things in place, I think really it's I think it's you have to it's really tough to be courageous in both of those situations because if your school or your your business or if you're a store manager, your store, if everything's kind of going well, sometimes. Um, there are things that need to improve and you could become even better. But if you're not courageous enough to address the issues, you're never going to get to that next level. So you might be, you know, the store of the month every month, or you might have the highest test scores um, in a school, but you know, you can always get better. And if you do not address the things that need to be addressed, um, you're never going to improve. You're never going to get better. And even if your school is 99% doing great, you still have 1% of the kids that, that need some extra help. So you can't be complacent with that. So you really have to be courageous, even in those situations where it might not appear that you need to have change, but you know, you need to have change. Yeah. And you know what else Mike, I think about often? The only way to, to get better at being courageous is to be courageous. Like in right. order to improve your courage, you have to exhibit courage. You got to execute with courage. Um, you know, it's that simple. Like when you're afraid, you got to do it. I remember yes. talking with um, Lynn Moody and she used to say, always do what you're afraid of. Always do the thing that you're afraid of. And yep. that's really how you become less afraid by doing it. And I can think of so many times when perhaps fear wasn't the right word or afraid, but I had some anxiousness or some hesitation around some things. And then I went up, went forward and executed. And I remember thinking on the back end, that wasn't nearly as bad as I anticipated. Right. You know? And, you know, one of my favorite authors is Brene Brown. And in her book, um, 
uh, Rising Strong, she talks about how the stories we create in our heads. And I think sometimes those stories we create trying to determine or, or basically predict the future where we've created a scenario that says everyone's going to be upset with me. and This might not go over well. I think that sometimes is an obstacle to us being courageous as well. Certainly. Um, it's so funny that you say that, Latoya, because I know thinking back to my leadership journey, um, I used to be, I used to not really enjoy at all speaking in front of big groups. Um, you know, as a teacher, it was fine. It's, you know, 30 kids or whatever it may be. But when you become a leader, you're talking to larger and larger groups. Um, and that's something I had to kind of address head on. And I knew the only way I was going to get better is doing it as much as possible. Um, and now, I mean, if I spoke in front of 500 people, I guess that would probably be uh, nerve wracking for me. But um, but now it's not much of a, a big deal for me to get in front of, of large groups because I practice it. I practice it. Uh, I would practice it and get better at it. So same thing with being courageous. Um, it's No one likes to have those difficult conversations. Conversations, um, but the only way you get better at it, at least that I know of, is by doing it and then doing it again, doing it again. I love how you said that. What Dr. Moody shared with you, you know, do what you're afraid of because that's how you get better. And that's that seems like it's almost a cliche now, um, but it's so true. I, and I try to tell my kids that, my own personal kids, you know, if there's something that you think. Um, you know, like if you're getting better at a sport, if you don't like doing this drill, you probably need to do that drill because you need to get better at that. Don't just always stick with whatever's easy and everything because you're not going to grow. Absolutely. You know, and if you think about it, even some simplified examples, I can remember no matter how many years I attended school, Mike, I was always nervous on the first day of school. I mm -hmm. always had a sense of uneasiness. Right. And But I didn't not attend the first day of school. And every year that I went to school, that got a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And even as a principal, the first day of school, I never sleep the night before the first day of school, Right, right. even as a, an administrator. Um, but I didn't let that keep me from showing up. You got to show up and execute. And right. I think if more people could coach themselves around that and push themselves, because I find, and you tell me if you think differently, that courage is one of those things that is really hard to coach into for folks. Um, and while, where, where I feel like I can coach folks around other things, uh, particular skills or processes or perspectives, how to look or think about things or to view things from a different viewpoint. When it comes to courage, there's this internal factor that makes it really difficult to coach folks because it's one of those things where you just got to find it on the inside mm -hmm. and you got to do it. Um, so if you were going to coach I don't know, maybe uh, new leaders uh, who are working on building their their ability to be courageous or even, you know, experienced leaders. What advice would you give them around how they can operate with more courage? Well, I, I, two things come to mind. One is the crucial conversations training. Um, and if you if you're not familiar with crucial conversations, there's tons of information about it on the Internet. You could Google it. That kind of gives you a framework for um, for how to structure conversations that may not be the most pleasant. But what but I think what really gets to the heart of the matter, Latoya, is 
telling that person to think about what's going to happen if you don't address the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that courageous conversation, what are the ramifications? You got to think through that. Um, if you have a, um, you know, we're just we use not to pick on teachers, but if you're using a, a teacher example, if you know um, they are not doing what they should and you just kind of let it go, what damage is that doing? How many students is that impacting? If you have a school and your teachers are not collaborating and you are good with that, think of the damage you are doing because your teachers could be that much better if you get them to collaborate. I'm not even talking about a full-scale PLC, which we know we, we want to do, but if your teachers are not even collaborating, think of all that um I don't know, wasted brilliance that that is not being shared amongst teachers to better impact the kids. So I would say getting them to try to think about what is not going to happen because they are not acting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to think about the consequences of not acting. I think so often we get caught in what happens when I act instead of thinking about what are the consequences of a failure to act with courage. And I think you raise a very important point. So Mike, you mentioned crucial conversations and how helpful that's been to you in building your own courage. And, and as I said before, earlier in the podcast, you know, it's not something that necessarily gets easier, but you get better at it. How do you continue to work on being a courageous leader? What are some of the things you do? Um, you know, you've read crucial conversations that help you continue to, to operate with courage. You know, I don't, I, that's a good question. Latoya. The only thing I can think of is, just keep doing it. And it's, it's never, it's never fun for me. It's never fun having a crucial conversation. Um, I think at the heart of hearts, I, I like to, um, you know, please people. I think I'm a people pleaser. Um, so sometimes when I know I need to address an issue, I just have to be courageous and say, okay, I just, I got to do this. Um, just like, uh, you know, how I've done, um, in my leadership journey is just, just doing it, just, um, hitting the head, uh, hitting it, you know, straight on and knowing that if I don't do this, what's going to be the ramifications. I think that's the biggest thing um, that I try to keep in, in the back of my mind, Latoya, is, okay, if I do not do this, what is it saying and what's going to be the result? Yeah, I think something that's really helped me, Mike, is having people like you and other colleagues that I can talk through. Right. Um, you know, be very transparent. You know, here's what I know I need to do. Here's where I'm struggling a bit. And you know, here's here's how I'm going to proceed. And then that kind of helps me to hold myself accountable because it's real difficult to talk about courage and be on a podcast and, 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 and push folks to be courageous if you're not operating in that manner. So having friend, uh, colleagues and friends, friends like you um, and uh, thought partners who can help me in the work and I can call and say, you know, I know I need to act with courage, but here's where the, the rub is. And can you help me work and think through this? That's really helpful. So my encouragement to our listeners would be if you struggle with courage is to find a thought partner, not someone who who coddles you or keeps you from acting with courage, but who pushes you to be bold. Because we all know that great things, great leaders in our history and in our country, none of the work that they've accomplished and none of the progress that's been made has ever been made without courage. And there's a lot of folks who are revered after their death who were wildly unpopular during their life. And I particularly think of Dr. Martin Luther King, who is revered and and folks speak very highly of him. But if you've ever read his 
response, mm -hmm. um, the letter from the Birmingham jail when he was written to by eight clergymen in Alabama who asked him to to wait, to be patient, to 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 wait a little bit longer for to fight for justice in his response to them. Then it's clear that he was not well liked. And in some cases, he was um very much misunderstood and mistreated, but he continued to act with courage. And because of that, there's so many benefits and um, rights that we enjoy today um, because he was willing to, to stand out there on his own for what he believed to be was right. And so right. my encouragement would, would be to folks to recognize that being courageous um, doesn't always mean being liked. It does mean doing the right things that aligns well with your heart and with your soul. Well, Mike, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. It's always great to talk to you about courage. I want to encourage our listeners, as you continue listening to Season 7, to be sure to check out the Leadership with LaToya website. You can find it at www.latoyadixon.5.com. And make sure you follow us both on Twitter. My handle is at LaToya Dixon, the number five, all one word, no spaces. And Mike, will you share with the good people your handle? You can find me on Twitter at mwakesness. So it's M-W-A-I-K-S-N-I-S. And last but not least, Mike, any good books you're reading these days that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, that's interesting because I have a couple on my desk right now that I'm diving into. Um, one of them is a coaching guide to PLCs. It's coaching with the four critical questions of PLCs at work. Uh, this is something I shared with our literacy specialists at our middle school level last year. And uh, with COVID, everything got kind of sideways, but that's a book that we're looking to explore. It's a nice little um, coaching manual. Um, and I'm also, uh, a personal book I'm reading is, um, it's called The Cloud Dusters Nine. I have not um, gotten too far into it, but it's a baseball book. Latoya, you know how much I love baseball. Um, and it's about a team during World War II. So I'm excited to get, to get into that book. What about you, Latoya? What are you reading? Before I tell you that, would you give us the author of the coaching manual, um, Coaching PLCs at Work? Who's the, yes, the author? Yes, it is uh, by Kim Bailey and uh, Chris. And I do not want to mis uh, mispronounce Chris's last name, but it's J-A-K-I-C-I-C, -I -C -I -C, Coaching with the Four Critical Questions of PLCs at Work. That's awesome, Mike. I'm reading a book. It's called Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning, and it's by... Uh, uh, Argawal and Bain, A-G-A-R-W-A-L and Bain, B-A-I-N, Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning. So, you know, Mike, we, you and I are both big on that great leaders are great readers. So we always like to share great books with uh, folks who are listening to our podcast. Hey, well, Latoya, let me jump in, too. It's interesting. Um, this is a book that we both love and we used a lot. I pulled it back out just this morning, Leverage Leadership. Um, we have a couple of new leaders in our district and I was, uh, finding some books to share with them. And that's, uh, I want to say an oldie, but goldie, but that is such a good book. Um, so if you have not read leadership, a uh, leverage leadership, there's a first version and second version now too. check it out. Latoya and I used a lot of stuff for that when we were building principles. Oh yeah. Outstanding book by Paul Bambrick Santoyo, really practical examples. Make sure you give that one a read as well. Um, well, folks, we are so appreciative that you're willing to listen to Leadership with LaToya. Our goal is to bring you the best in podcasts when it comes to leadership. Until next time, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Ground.